0: gives power to the people. I remember when I was in an African country. I won't tell you which one it was. But shortly after arriving there, I wanted to go home. I mean, it was way more than I had bargained for. It was, it was a little too much for me. And so I remember um, we had been there for some time, and we were going from different places. And they had dropped us off in this village where there was no electricity and there were no phone lines. There was very little, and the roads were very narrow, and you had to go up through the mountains. And as you ascended, you saw all of the cars and trucks that did not make it how they had tumbled down and and how the remains were still there. And it was on that road that I made my life all the way right with God. I did not expect to live. When we finally got there, it was raining, and they were so gracious, they made us some teepees about this high and about this wide. And they were showing us the teepees, and while they were talking, uh, lizards were crawling out of them. And I distinctly remember by then I had had enough. Perhaps I was being a spoiled American, but I began to cry out to God and say, I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I mean, there were roaches this size. There were, um, the rodents ran everywhere and one mouse stood there and peed on my luggage. And I'm like, Father... I have been through enough for your cause. I am ready to go. But God would not let me go. He made me stay there. Did I mention that I almost died? And I remember how my father laid his hands on me and prayed, Father, don't take my child. Whatever is on her, put it on me. Let my child live. And then he almost died the Center for Disease Control, the Infectious Disease in Atlanta, nobody could figure out what he had. It was terrible, and I wanted out. But God did not see fit to let us go until the end. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you wanted out but God wouldn't let you go? It was bad. It was uncomfortable. You felt like you had done your dues. You had done whatever you were supposed to do. But for some reason or another, God did not let you out. You're saying, Jesus, I'll serve you. I'll do whatever. Please hear my cry. And God said no. Now, if you have ever been in a trial, a tribulation where you've prayed and cried and asked God to do something and and get you out of that thing with the quickness and in a hurry and God said no, then you probably know what the man in our story felt like. Turning your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 8. And our story begins in verse 26. This is a story of a demon-possessed man. The Bible says that Jesus came out of his boat and he came to uh, the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. And when he gets there, they are immediately met with a naked man. The man didn't bother to have on any clothes. This man lived in the tombs. He ran around and he screamed. He yelled. He cried out. And the Bible says that he was possessed by demons. And so here we have this de- demonic, naked man yelling after Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus the demons and Jesus begin to have a conversation. The Bible tells us in a Revelation chapter 20 that about the bottomless pit during the millennium, the devil and his angels will have to be in the abyss, the bottomless pit for a thousand years. When they saw Jesus, they were afraid this was about to happen now. So they began to yell, do not torment us before the time. Do not send us to the bottomless pit. Do not send us to the abyss. That's what it says in verse 31 of Luke chapter 8. But this story is found in a couple other places in the Bible. And when Mark tells the story, Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 10, it says, Also he begged him earnestly, speaking of the demon, that he would not send them out of the country, So the demons come to Jesus and they beg them, please let us not leave this place. Don't let us leave this country. Verse 11, now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. So the demons prayed to Jesus. The Bible says they begged Jesus, and Jesus said yes. He said, go on into the swine. The man got delivered, and when the people who were watching the pigs saw what happened, they ran and told everybody what happened to the pigs. So the whole town comes back. And they find this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 8. It says, then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So here was this rambunctious man, he went and got some clothes on, and now he is sitting at the feet of Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. That is a great place to be. The feet of Jesus, that is a place of one celebration. You often find people who had been delivered, people who had been healed. Whatever their story was, when Jesus touched them, you find them sitting at the feet of Jesus saying, thank you. They're giving glory and honor. They're worshiping him. So at the feet of Jesus is a place of celebration. But not only that, it is a place of communication because as you sit at the feet of Jesus, Jesus begins to pour into his students. He begins to give them inspiration and instruction. And so it is a place of praise and a place of preparation. And so we find this man in his right mind, He went, got some clothes on, and now he is receiving preparation. This is one of those. Has anybody ever seen the show Sports Nation? Anybody? Okay, so what they do as part of it is they have web videos. People can send in weird web videos, and they'll show you a part of it, and then they'll stop, and they'll make you guess what happens next. This is a good place to have you guess What happens next? So we have this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. He has clothes on and he's learning. What happens next? A, they warn Jesus that this man is dangerous. B, they see the change in this man and throw Jesus a parade. Or C, they make Jesus leave because of what he did. C, verse 37 tells us that when the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got in the the boat and returned. So the man who just got delivered has to witness all of this. He has to witness all of this to do about pigs. He has to witness them ejecting the man that brought deliverance to his life. He realizes that they were more concerned about pigs than him. He realizes that nobody celebrated the fact that he was now getting his life together. He started to get an attitude because nobody could see that he was a new creature and that God had done something on the inside of him. And if they could see it, they weren't excited about it. So he did what any of us would have done. He threw up his hands and said, skip all of this. Jesus, I am going with you. He didn't ask Jesus. The Bible says he begged Jesus. As a matter of fact, Luke uses the same word that he used when he talks about what the demons did. He begged Jesus. This is another good place to ask, what happened next? A- Jesus struck the people with blindness for hating on the man. B, the pigs attacked the people for being so selfish. Or C, Jesus said, no, go home. It's C. Verse 39 says that Jesus said, no, go home. Now, when I read this, I didn't see that coming, you guys see that coming. Rewind the story. When the demons prayed, begged Jesus, Jesus gave them the desires of their heart. Demons! When the wicked people prayed, pleaded, please get out of here, Jesus gave them the desires of their heart. And so now, here comes this good Godly, saved, sanctified, filled with the power of God, man. Jesus only asked, he only asked Jesus one request. Just one request. And he didn't ask, the Bible says he begged. Now, mind you, he's not asking Jesus, can I go sweet, smoke weed one more time? He wasn't asking if he could drop his pants and moon the people. He was not asking if he could use his supernatural strength to knock everybody out. All he wanted to do was go be with Jesus. All he wanted to do was to be inspired and instructed. All he wanted to do was to be able to sit at Jesus' feet to celebrate and communicate. He just wanted to hear some good sermons and, and to witness some good miracles. Now, was that too much to ask? I mean, when you think about it, this is the most spiritual request Jesus has heard all day. And Jesus has the audacity, the nerve to tell this man no. That don't mess with y'all? He told the demons yes. And I was in Africa and he told me no. <laughs> the man only wanted to be with Jesus. But Jesus would not let him come with him. Instead, the Bible says that he tells him to go home and tell of the great things the Lord has done for him and how he has had compassion on him. But Jesus, I could hear him say, I'm not really thinking about these people. I just want to get up out of here. I got to get out of this environment. It is toxic to my development and growth. I cannot stay here. And Jesus told him, I need you to stay here. Jesus, I can't stay here. These people are not thinking about God. And they've got 2,000 demons all around this city. Jesus, you got to get me out of here before they get me again. It never occurred to me that the demons stayed in the country. They begged to stay there. They begged, don't let us leave. Let us stay here. And Jesus said, okay, but I believe that in his mind, he was thinking, it's all good because I've got something for you. I'm going to give power to my people those demons thought that they would come in and take over as soon as Jesus left. As a matter of fact, they had, already, he, they had already began working on the people. In the face of this great miracle, the Bible says that they were seized with fear. And the Bible also says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us love, power, and power. And a sound mind. So the devil was already trying to work on the people. But God had already worked on the man. And God had given this man something that he did not know he had. That's why Jesus needed the man to stay there Luke 10 19 says behold I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world Jesus made this man a new creature He gave him his spirit to share about his freedom and his deliverance. And he gave him his power so that he could stay free. Now, I know many people think that Jesus was born in the Gospels and the Holy Spirit was born in Acts. But the Holy Spirit has been around for a very long time, from before the creation of the world. Even at creation, the first thing we see is that the Spirit is moving on the face of the deed. We see that God was giving his people power to do incredible things throughout Scripture. It did not start at Pentecost. One of my favorite verses, uh, Exodus chapter 31, verses 3 and 4, it tells of Bezalel. And the Bible says, This is God speaking. I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze. So God had given this man his spirit so that he could work with his hands and do what needed to be done for the church. In Zechariah, we say it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So the spirit has been at work on people for a very long time. Even when Jesus talked to his disciples, he said in Matthew ten twenty, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. So the spirit was available long before Pentecost. And I believe that God put his spirit on this man and wanted to send him back to transform his community. Now, I know when the man looked back at his community, he was like, uh, no, thank you. I'm not trying to transform all of that. How many times have we heard God won't put more on you than you can bear? Right. Have you all heard that? Yeah. And many people have said, you know, uh, God must have calculated wrong because I can't bear all of this. Yeah. I want you to know that God never said, he won't, he, God has not said he will not put more on you than you can bear. What he said was that when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the fire, now that seemed like a bit much. That seemed like a little bit more than I can bear. He said, when you go through the fire, it will not burn you, nor shall the flame kindle upon you. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, mercy, Lord, this seemed a bit much. I will be with you, and my rod and staff will be with you. What Jesus did say in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation... Has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Listen now, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape. Why? That you may be able to bear it. So God says He ain't gonna see nothing crazy that other people ain't tripping on too. But God does not send you temptations. The Bible says that God does not, God doesn't tempt you for evil. God does not want to see you fall. As a matter of fact, He has declared and decreed that He is the God that keeps you from falling. But He says that there's not going to be a temptation that you face that will be that will be alien. Other people will have gone through that too. So that means that you're not the only one struggling with weed. You're not the only one struggling trying to figure out about homosexuality. You are not the only one praying and trying not to get caught up in an affair. Hello, somebody. God says, I know it's tight, but I can get you out of this thing. Why? Because he promised to sin and escape. So God didn't send that pretty little girl, and you're thinking, oh, well, God wouldn't have sent her to me if he didn't think I could handle you. What the Bible says, that God wasn't sending her. God sent the door. Hello, somebody. He sent the door so you could get out of there. To the left, to the left, to the left. Hello, somebody. The Bible says flee temptation." So when trials and tribulations come, we think we can handle it, and perhaps we can. Why? Because God has given power to the people. And he says that nothing I won't give put more on you than we can bear. But we already know that he's got all power in his hands. So you can forget, I mean, God, God can handle anything. So you and God can't handle anything. Amen? Amen? So see, when people come to God, God fills them and God empowers them. God gives them spiritual gifts. What did I say? Now, spiritual gifts are a special attribute from God that he gives to every believer to build up the body of Christ. God gives spiritual gifts to Every belief. when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are baptized into the body of Christ, you receive a spiritual gift. First Peter four ten says, "As each one has received a gift, as each one, that I means everybody in the body of Christ, has received a gift, minister it to one another." as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. First Corinthians 12 verse seven. I like how it reads in the new living translation. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, many times we want to be just like the man, the demoniac. He just wanted to come to church. Sit at the feet of Jesus. We want to wave our hand and do our dance. And we want to just enjoy being in the presence of God. That's what this man wanted. He said, no, Jesus, let me go with you. I want to hear more sermons. I want to see more miracles. I want to enjoy good singing. But Jesus said, no, it is time for you to go and serve. See, we can't feast all day. We can't eat all day. And God doesn't feed us so we'll become fat. He gives us food so that we'll have the strength to go out. Amen. It reminds me so many times we're like that bodybuilder who went to Africa. Uh, He was very famous and he went to Africa and uh, the chief was quite impressed with a man of such strength. And so he asked him, tell me now, what is it that you do with all those muscles? Well, the bodybuilder thought it would be easier to show him instead of tell him. And so he said, I could do this and I could do this, and I could do this. And so he's doing all of these poses, and he just knows that he is wowing the chief. He's like, is that it? Is there anything else you could do? (laughs) But that's about it. And the chief walked away in disgust, thinking what? waste I mean anybody with those big muscles seem like they should be building a house or moving trees or bringing water from the far well they should be doing something and standing up on the stage going like this and many times that's what we do we just eat eat and eat and eat and eat and get bigger and bigger and bigger and sit like what can you do with that strength But God is calling us to do something bigger than that. Amen. Amen. That's why he gave us power to the people. Now, when God blesses us with gifts, he often does it in seed form. That's how God works. He gives seeds. The word is seed. Y'all stop laughing at me. (laughs) The faith. In the Bible, it says it's like a seed. God doesn't do the tree thing anymore. Last time he gave humans a tree without seeds, that was the Garden of Eden. That didn't work out too well. So he said, from now on, y'all getting seeds. And so God gives us seeds. He starts us off with something small. But in it, it has the potential to explode to something great if we tend to it and work with it and develop it. So a lot of times we look at the little thing we have and we're like, well, that's not much. That's not going to accomplish much. But we don't know that God is working in us to do something exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Do you all know the rest of that verse? It says, according to the power that worketh in us. God has given power to his people. And so when we look at what we have to do and what we have, it can seem overwhelming. I can see that demoniac man looking at, at, at just being saved for about 15 minutes and looking at Decapolis, that means 10 cities. He's like, you want me to go back there and tell them about what? And it seems overwhelming. I remember one of the first major sermons I had to do. Now, I had spoke, you know, as a child, did little speeches, and I had done a little something here, a little something there. But when I was 14 years old, I got a call from the conference office. It was the youth director and he wanted to know if I would preach for the Pathfinder Camporee. People from four states would be converging. Young people, my age, boys I was trying to holler at would be sitting in the audience and they wanted me to stand up there and preach. Now, I know what happens when people stand up there and preach because I was used to going to the camporee, sitting down, passing my notes, doodling on my stuff, looking at my watch, waiting for it to be over, going to lunch, talking about how I didn't like what they talked about. I knew the, knew the, the drill. And if I didn't know it, it was renewed today in Sabbath school. And so... I told him, absolutely not. I said, I will not do it. Now, he called my mama, and I still ended up doing it. But I remember, I mean, you couldn't pay me enough. When To think that I'll have to stand in front of all of those people, and if God had sat there and told me that you're going to talk to people all over the world, that you would stand before thousands and thousands of people, I probably would have ran and hid somewhere. Why? Because I knew that I didn't think I could do it. Because God had just given me just a little seat. I could just barely make sentences and stand up there straight long enough. But God works in us. But a lot of times we think, that we have to do this whole big thing at the beginning. I remember my son was sitting on the couch. He was quiet like he was thinking. And then he came out with this declaration. Mommy and Daddy, I'm not going to get married. Now, you know, that hurt my feelings because they say that your children learn about marriage from their parents' marriage, and I thought I had a good, uh, a pretty good marriage. And this four-year-old is declared and decreed that he's not gonna get married. So I'm like, "Why don't you want to get married?" He said, "Cause I don't want to have to have a baby." <laughs> we told him, you know, that when you get married, then you have kids and all that kind of stuff. I said, Jonathan, I promise you don't never have to worry. You do not have to have a baby. Even if you get married, you don't have to have the baby. But a lot of times we look at that thing far out, and it's like, well, if I start working for the master, then he might have me do something real crazy and something real big. He might try to make me convert ten cities. All Jesus said was go home, tell your family. Go home and tell your friends. Leave these people who are not thinking about you anyway. Go find your mom and daddy. They'll be happy to see you. And tell them the good thing that God has done in your life. And the Bible says that when he began to do that, everybody marveled. I mean, these same people who were ready to kick jesus out when they heard what god had done in his life they marveled though he wanted out though he thought he belonged somewhere else he soon found out that god's answers are so much better than our prayers and so god sent that man who had been delivered who had seen victory Back so that he could bring deliverance and bring victory to a whole ten cities. And that's what God is calling us to do. He's saying, you know, I appreciate you sitting at my feet every week. I appreciate you celebrating and communicating. But I've given power to my people. And now it is time for us to get mobilized for service. There's this rap called uh, It's Your Birthday, Shoddy. That's my favorite thing on my birthday on Thursday. I'm going to put it really loud, and my whole family, we dance around the house, and we sing this song. And I just want to share a few of the lyrics. My husband said, just read them slowly. Don't get up there and try to rap. (laughs) So I'm going to just read them slowly. But it's talking about somebody with new birth in Christ. It's their birthday. So it says, (laughs) it says, man, that's you? Lost some weight? Got a new hairdo? Nah, not my hair, not my shirt. 20-something years old, celebrating new birth. Man, it's your birthday, shorty. I understand why you be the crunkest in the party. I understand why you be praising crazy. Should have been dead. You're alive. It's amazing. Now you're about to spread it. Tell all your people, Jesus Christ accepted everywhere like a visa. Ray, Ray, John, John, Shay, Shay, Lisa, deliver what you got to the hood like a pizza. That day, that day, that day, he took all your sins away. Not the same, rearrange, feel good. Now go tell everybody in the hood. Because when they take one look at you, they're going to say, he can save you will save me too. Amen. That is what God has called us to do. He's given power to the people as the musicians begin to play. And for everyone who has accepted Christ, For everyone who has been baptized into the fellowship of the body of Christ, the Bible says that God has given you a gift, a spiritual gift. He gives power to the people. Now, you may not know what your gift is, and so over the next couple of weeks, the next four weeks we're doing this series, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, we're going to be discovering what our spiritual gifts are and we're going to get activated for service First Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12:1 says, now concerning spiritual gifts brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, the Bible says I don't want you to be ignorant about that wonderful thing I gave you when you were baptized And there's some of you who may have not received a spiritual gift as of yet because you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't been baptized into the body of Christ. That's what baptism is. It grants you membership into Christ's body. And membership has its privileges. When you are baptized, you receive special gifts. And so at this time, I want you to take out your communication card and I want you to look on the back because now is a time to make a decision. If you don't know where your connection card is, it should be in your bulletin. It looks like this. We filled out the front half at the beginning of service and now I want you to turn it over and look at the back because now is the time for action. What will your next step be? Perhaps you want to memorize that verse where it talks about God giving power to his people. Maybe you want to read about the power they have in Acts chapter 1 verse 2. Maybe you want to commit to coming to this series for the next four weeks. You don't want to miss one. You want that to be your next step. Or maybe you want to sign up to serve. You want to get up from the feet of Jesus and get into his service. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not been baptized and you don't even have a spiritual gift yet, consider making Jesus your choice. I want to have a baptism before this series is over. I don't want anybody to be living without the power and gifts that God gives. You want to be included in that next baptism? Make sure you check that on this card. The song that they're playing, it says, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say, do. Use me, Lord. Is that your prayer today? You gave
1: me my ears. I can hear your voice so clear. I can hear. Can I cannot wipe away their tears, Lord? I'm available to you. Is that your prayer? Today? hearts, my will.
0: Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you in this place. We we thank you, God, for the deliverance that you have blessed us with. Father, we thank you for the power you have given to your people. And Father, we thank you for the commitment that we have made. Heavenly Father, as we begin to prepare our hearts and minds, For the awesome service that you have rendered to us in giving your son as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and prepare our hearts for true service as we enter into the ordinance of humility father I pray that your spirit would be with us oh God in the name of Jesus we pray amen and amen